Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. This morning, guys, uh, I want to talk to you about sin. Now, I know you didn't wake up this morning, get dressed, fight with the kids, yell at the dog, almost spill your coffee, come to church to be lectured about sin. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, oh, great. What does he, I mean, what does he think he's talking to us about sin? Now, now stay with me for just a moment, okay? So listen, when it comes to sin, um, we all know that we can quote Matthew chapter 7. We all sort of do, right? If you've ever, uh, even if you've never attended church before, you know this saying, right? Someone comes and they want to say, hey, I want to talk to you about sin. Uh, our normal reaction is, judge not, lest you be judged. And you use the King James Version, you say less because it sounds more spiritual, right? You sin and go, judge not, lest you be judged. I remember doing that. And you go, what does it mean? Here's what it really means. When we, when somebody confronts us or talks about sin in general, guys, here's what we do. We automatically say, don't judge me. Or you'll be judged the same way. Guys, if we're honest, we don't like to be taught, we don't like to talk about our faults. We don't like to talk about our sin. We get defensive right away. That's the first thing. We lose friends, if you will. We leave churches. Well, that pastor, all he does is talk about sin. He keeps using the R word. He keeps saying repent. He keeps talking about hell. There's, I don't believe in hell. And, and, and that's not what it's about. But, but, but guys, here's the thing. The point I want to bring today, guys, the point I want to bring is that we all have to know deep in our heart that we fall short of God's perfection. We fall short, and we understand that we're sinners. Now, here's where I want to go. Today, my Jesus, your Jesus, is simply, if you will, he's, he's pointing our need for a Savior. That's what he's telling us. And that no matter what type of sin it is, it's still sin. We can't keep the law. Because Jesus came to fulfill the law. We understand that, right? Now, as a matter of fact, earlier this week, I saw a Facebook post that said, um, and I guess you would call him a friend, I'm not sure, but he said, if your pastor doesn't talk about the Ten Commandments, if he doesn't preach the Ten Commandments, he says, you need to leave that church. And that was a bold statement. And I'm going, but wait a minute. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law because he knew we couldn't. You understand that, right? You, he knew that we, there was no way we possibly could. And so what we've come to the place, we've come to the place in our teaching. Now, again, the series is called Follow Me. Okay. Jesus will look at Matthew and he says, Follow Me. And that's just so important. But in our day and age, in our culture, follow me is more like, let me click on like and I'll follow him on Facebook. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll just see where his tweets go, and if I like his tweets, maybe I'll do it. Or, or what I'll do is I'll just get, I'll just get uh, a workout on my thumb because I'll just scroll past it because I really don't want to see this. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying to you and I, will you be my disciple? Will you be? Now, now listen to me. Listen to me. He saved you for a reason. 
He didn't just go, well, you know what? You're on your way to hell. I guess I'll save you. If he saved us just to take us to heaven, then I'm ready to go seven... I don't even know how many years ago. 40 years ago. I was going to say 17 years. I got saved when I was 17. But I, I, okay, right? Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Boom, I go to heaven. But that's not what he did. He said, I'm going to save you, Nick. I'm going to save you because I've got a plan for your life. And I want you to be my disciple. And he says, that's what, that's what I want you to be. You, I want you to be. And, and, and in, in learning this, we see some amazing things. Like what? Well, think about this. Jesus is teaching from a mountain somewhere in Israel. Okay? And it has such great acoustics that he could just sit there and he could teach and he could hear it all the way. He doesn't need a microphone. Doesn't need speakers. He could just, he's just teaching. Now, what he's doing, guys, is he's giving us, if you will, an extraordinary lesson on the precepts of kingdom life. Okay? Matthew goes, hey, guess what? I want to introduce you to King Jesus. And everybody goes, whoa. But in order to be a king, he wants to tell you about his kingdom and how his kingdom runs. Okay? And so that's so important. So he's giving us his extraordinary. Now, again, remember what we talked about. A couple of weeks ago, and I appreciate so filling in for me last week, but a couple of weeks ago we talked about, remember the title of the message? This medicine tastes yucky. That was our message. You go, why? Because again, think about it. You go, why would I say this? Well, because we need to understand that our standing before God on our own merits or trying to be good isn't going to cut it. It just really isn't. Now, you guys go, amen, I agree. But are we really living it? Because if you're really living it, if I'm really living it, then there should be an unbelievable peace in my heart not worried about heaven. Because heaven is not a reward for me being good. Heaven is where I'm going to go because of Jesus. And that should bring a peace. That should bring, that should, that my life should look so different because now I've got, I've got just, okay, that's settled. Heaven's done. Heaven's settled because of Jesus. So guess what? So now my life should just be an example and a reflection of who God is. Just a reflection. And that's what Jesus is doing, guys. He's coming in and he's saying, your merits before God? Yeah, not going to cut it. It's not going to bring salvation. Keeping the Ten Commandments is not going to bring salvation. Why churches would put bondage on people that way is beyond me. I mean, why? Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. I call them guardrails. These are good things. These are, you know what a guardrail is, right? Did you see any guardrails coming from Amarillo? Of course you did. What are they there for? Oh, and they're there so you don't run off the road and go into the pasture. They're guardrails. They keep you on the road. One of the guardrails is thou shall not murder. That's a good guardrail because I don't want you killing me. Okay? I like me. Don't kill me. Don't kill anybody. But uh, another guardrail is don't lie. Don't lie. And we, well, we'll talk about lying here in just a minute, okay? We'll, we'll talk about lying. But, but, but again, if we try to keep the Ten Commandments as a way of salvation, as a way of standing before God going, look at me, I'm good. I, I did not murder anybody. I didn't lie. I didn't steal. I didn't go with girls. I didn't, I didn't, you know, all of this stuff. He says, we still fall way short. We still fall way short. As a matter of fact, you know what the Bible says? 
The Bible says that our good works are like filthy rags before God. And it's not that we're filthy, but he wants us to realize that he paid it all. And as we walk in that, man, as we walk in that, in that forgiveness and in that grace, it should do something that, that nothing has ever done before. It should produce in us grace, compassion, mercy. That's what it should produce. And so again, this is what Jesus is doing. That medicine he's going to give us, guys, he's going to say, okay, okay, here's, here it is. Uh, he's teaching that this medicine we're getting, it's yucky because it's really hard to swallow. It's really hard to swallow. You go, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, you know how medicine works, right? Sometimes it tastes awful, but it's going to bring healing later on. You're going to feel better. Well, this is exactly what he does. He's going to bring hope and healing. So here's what we need to remember. The Sermon on the Mount, he is teaching to who? Not the multitudes, to his disciples. You've got to grasp that, okay? He pulls his disciples aside. You're his disciples, so this teaching is for us. That's why it's important, because he's going to talk about divorce. He's going to talk, he's talking about divorce, but he's not going to bring it to the multitudes, because there's a principle behind it. He's going to talk about, re- I mean, there's all kinds of stuff he's going to talk about, which is very, 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 very important. Now, as he comes to the disciples, he's probably, He's probably thinking, okay, here's the question that's on your mind. You go, what's that? They're not going to ask me, but I know what it is. And it's found in verse 17 of chapter 5. You go, what is that? He says, Jesus speaking, he says, do not think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. Everybody look at me and say context. Why is that important? Guys, it's so important that we keep things in context. And I don't just mean the verse in context. That's very important. Because if you take a verse out of context, what do you make it? A pretext, and then I can make it say anything I want to say. Okay? A lot of the, a lot of the prosperity gospel preachers will take prosperity, he'll take the word prosperity and just blow it up and they'll take it out of context and it has nothing to do. And it really, really bugs me because I saw a video just the other day. Now I'm going off on a rabbit trail, Linda, but, but here's the thing. I saw a video the other day and it was about prosperity and he's taking 1 Corinthians and all of it out and I'm going, no, I just talk Corinthians. That's not what it means. And I'm just, uh. that's context. What's the context? Remember the baptism of Jesus. Remember? What happens? He comes out of the water, and what does the Father say? This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Okay? In Christ, God's pleased with you. In Christ. You know what he sees, Owen? He doesn't see Owen, thank God. He sees Jesus. He doesn't see Ben, thank God. He sees Jesus. Okay? Now, Ben tries to rear its ugly head every now and then. Oh, I'm going to take on the flesh. But God goes, no, 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 I got you. I got you. And so again, here's what he's doing. He's saying, listen, I didn't come to what? To destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. Now, how do we fulfill the law? By being in Christ. By being in Christ. That's important. Why? Because the Mosaic law stems from Ten Commandments. But the, but the Pharisees came out and made 613 out of those ten. It's bad enough. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Appreciate that. Uh, it's bad enough. It's bad enough that we couldn't keep 10. Right? 
And they made 613. Wow. Wow. And then they come and say, this is the law. Jennifer, you need to keep the law. If you're going to be saved, all 613. Are you kidding me? Yeah, as a matter of fact, if you're not worshiping on the Sabbath, you're wrong. And if you happen to spit while you're talking on the Sabbath and you move a little bit dirt, you're plowing, you're in violation of the law. Isn't that crazy? This is, this is their standard. If I happened to join the Pharisees at that time, you know what I would do? Starting on the Sabbath day, just do this. And don't move for 24 hours because I'm going to break the law. You could see why they were super upset when Jesus did things on the Sabbath. Now, he didn't break the Sabbath. He just said, look, this is, this, you need healing. This is more important. Don't you understand the whole? And so he came. Now, but what we need to understand very quickly, guys, is we have to understand five important factors that we should keep in mind about the law. Okay? Why? Because we don't want to just go, well, we're not under the law. We're under grace. Which means, Mike Shaw, where did he go? Oh, there he is. Which means, Mike Shaw, that we can't go 50 in a 35 because we're not under the law. Okay, we, that's still under the law. Me and Joseph were driving the other day from lunch, and I'm like, I'm, gonna, I'm going to say, hey, I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. But I don't know what happens because the policeman looked at me. I was like, okay, I'm under the law. But a lot of us go, well, Jesus came to destroy the law. I don't need to, f- I don't, I don't need it. No, no, we need to understand. You ready? Here it is. Here's, here's, here's five important factors about the law. Number one, where is the source and origin? It's from God. God said this. God, God brought forth the law. Now, I don't think he did 613, just my opinion. I said, here's, here's the law. But he knew we couldn't even keep 10. Because Paul comes on later and he says, you know what the law is? The law is a pedagogos. It's the school bus that brings us to Christ. Okay? It's you getting in the bus and going to the schoolmaster. That's what it means. That's what the law does. So when you look at the law, you shall love the Lord your God. Right? You shall just, you shall have no other gods before me. And what are we prone to do? What are we prone to do? We're prone to have other gods before him. We're prone to worship other things. We're prone to worship football teams, basketball teams, concerts, um, celebrities, Christian celebrities. Oh, that's him. Oh, could you just give me an autograph? I mean, we do get excited, but God says, no, 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 you should not have to. Don't, don't worship. He brought the law, but there's a purpose, is there not? The second part, guys, is what's the avenue for bringing the law? Guess who it was? Moses and the angels. Moses is the one. Now, why is that important? Because Matthew writes, he says, oh, by the way, Jesus is the new Moses in authority and teaching. So I go, whoa, is that coincidence? No, God had it planned the whole time. You understand that? You go, well, Ben, what's the nature? What is the nature of the law? You ready? The nature of the law is not grace. Okay, you do 50 in a 35 and the policeman sees you, he's going to give you a ticket. Okay, he's going to give you a ticket. I guys told you about my ticket story, didn't I not? One time it was, I was, we were in the car, Nathalie got in the car, we had to take her to a radiation appointment, there I was flying down the loop. Okay, as I was coming around, a motorcycle cop looked at me, I was like, oh. I pulled over, 
He said, sir, do you know how fast you were going? I said, no, but I've got to get my wife to radiation. She needs to go right now. And he said, okay, that's fine. Let me give you a ticket, then you can get on your way. Why? I broke the law, didn't I? That was not grace. There was not grace. There was one time I was coming through Fort Sumner. This is the honest truth. Now, don't judge, okay? Through Fort Sumner, there's a little bridge that you go under, okay? And it changes from, like, 40 to 35. And I was, <laughs> I was being holy. I'm driving, not, not paying attention to the speed limit. I'm thinking, wow, I wonder how big was Goliath, you know? And I'm looking at the sign on the bridge, and I come through, and guess what? There is a Fort Sumner's finest policeman. He pulls me over. Now, I ask him for grace, and I asked him for mercy. And you know what I got? Thank you. I got a ticket. So we know that what? We know that the nature of the law is not grace. Well, what are the effects of the law? Well, the effects of the law, guess what? It declares everybody guilty. Good. Yeah, exactly. That's what it does. You're guilty. You're guilty. Now, there are those of us growing up, when we understood sin, we kind of picked the big ones, right? Well, I, didn't, I don't lie, I don't steal, I don't chew, I don't go with girls who do, I don't murder. We kind of pick the big ones, don't we? And, and the Lord's like, okay, well, let's talk about that in just a minute, because it declares all of us guilty. As a matter of fact, James chapter 2, verse 10 says, For whoever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point, is guilty of all. Now, that's super bummer, right? Because Jennifer was talking, and a little spit came out of her mouth. She moved the dirt. She's plowing. She's guilty of all of them, all 613, guilty. And she goes, but, oh, I did it again. But, oh, I did it again. So, again, understand, the law justifies nobody. It cannot make anyone righteous, and it makes offenses abound, which means we break the law. You're like, okay, I'm with you. Well, what does the law have in relation to the disciples, the believers? Well, again, guys, we're not saved, again, by the law. We're not saved by the law, and the believer doesn't live by the law. Which really bums me out because there's pastors out there, guys, that are teaching contrary to this. And they're putting people in bondage because we can't keep the law. We can't even behave sometimes. You guys know what I'm talking about? We can't even behave properly and we want to keep the law. You go, Pastor, I can behave. No, no, let me do this. Let me do this. Let's go to lunch. Let's go somewhere where it's really busy. Let's put our name down. Wait 20 minutes, watch somebody else come in and get a table and see how well you behave. Uh, excuse me, excuse me, we were here 20, I mean, we go in the flesh, don't we? We do. If we don't get our turn our way, we don't even behave properly. We don't behave properly. So right off the bat, what does Jesus do? Jesus begins to give us some medicine that's hard to swallow. He says, I didn't, I didn't come to destroy the law. You didn't. I thought that, <laughs> come on. He says, but I came to fulfill it. Well, okay, what does that mean? And if that wasn't enough, what does he do? He raises the bar when it comes to the law. He raises the standard. Okay? Now, you'll have two groups of people. You'll have people going, uh, I think I'm going to follow the Ten Commandments. 
Okay? Then you'll have a group of people going, no, that's Old Testament. I'm going to follow the New Testament. I don't want to follow the... He raised the standard. Listen, if I'm going to go in the flesh and do anything, I'm going to try to keep the Ten Commandments because that's a little bit easier than what Jesus said. Why? Because he raised it. Well, what do you mean? Well, two weeks ago, we talked about the law of murder. Okay? Now, let's summarize that. We go, okay, well, I've never murdered anybody. Okay? I've never murdered anyone. But here's the thing. Jesus comes up and he goes, hey, if you've ever been angry at your brother, if you've ever been driving down the road and your brother cuts you off and you almost rear-end him and you say a few choice words, you're really angry, he goes, "Um, in your heart, that's the same as murder. Well, Well, it's his fault, doesn't matter. He says, listen, that's the law of murder. Well, Lord, I really thought it was somebody. I thought it was like, oh, no, it's, it's angry. He goes, oh, by the way, the law of personal relationships, we're all guilty about that. Talked about that. And he talked about the law of adultery two weeks ago. Okay? And it's a principle. The principle is all guilty. Well, no, we're not, because it says if a man looks at a woman in lust. No, it's the principle. Because the women are human too, and they look and they lust. They may lust for a different reason, but they may lust. How so? Men are visual. Men are visual. Okay? They look at a woman, they say, wow, wow, and they begin to think in their mind, whoa, well, wonder what it would be. And, and they sin. Jesus said they sin. But see, women are not visual. They're more, they, you know, if, if they listen to stuff, that, that's how they can lust. So you have somebody come in and go, you know what, if I was your husband, I would do this, this, and this, or I would be this. <gasps> and that's the same. They're lusting. They're going, boy, I wish so-and-so was my husband because he talks to me nice. Or he thinks I'm pretty. Or he thinks. So the principle's the same. You understand that, right? And Jesus says, that's the same, guys, as what? You're guilty. You're guilty. And now we're hoping that Jesus would just close the book and move on to the next chapter. But he goes, no, 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 we're going to talk about something else, right? We're going to talk about that. So what comes next? Well, if you're taking note, guys, I've, I've entitled this, Don't Judge Me Because I Sin Differently Than You. And you go, Ben, why did you get that title? Because today we discover a little bit of digging, sin is still sin. But I need you to see the heart of the Lord. If you, if you miss the heart of the Lord, then we're going to walk out of here with some, some rules and regulations that are going to super bum us out because of our culture. Okay? So when we come to a passage of scripture like this, we have a tendency, come on, let's do this, guys. We have a tendency to categorize sin. We have a tendency to go, oh, okay, okay, well, hmm, hmm, hmm. And you go, what do you mean? Well, in our society, we tend to view sin, right? We tend, we, we, we tend to do it as well, and there are some okay, and then there's some bad sins, and then there's some really bad sins. We tend, don't we categorize that? Okay? Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Chris drives to church and he breaks the law. He went 25 in, um, in a 20. Five miles over. He didn't mean to. You and I go, well, that's, that's, you still broke the law. You broke the law of the land. The sin. You go, Ben, chill. Chill. We tend to categorize that, don't we? 
but, but let, me, let, let me just, let's talk. Let's chat, okay? You go ahead. Now, now, let's see. Let's talk about white lies. Anybody know what a white lie is? Right? Little, a little white lie? Okay? Don't hurt nobody. You go, well, illustrate it. Well, let's just say a sister in the Lord comes to you, other sister, right? And she has something on that is not to your liking. Okay? She comes in and she says, sister, I bought this on sale yesterday. Oh, what do you think? Right? And, and what do you say? And she says, how do I look? And you go, oh, sister, that dress looks good on you and that color too, but you don't mean it. Is that a white lie? That don't hurt anybody, does it? Wow. Now, let me ask you this. Is that worth, is that sin worth eternal damnation? You go, no, Ben, I mean, the sister just didn't look good. I mean, that's just not her color. She looked very pale. You know, you guys know how we do this, right? Now, I, why do you use sister? Because I hardly ever have a guy go, hey, Nick, what do you think of my shoes? And he goes, dude, where'd you get them? You know, we don't do that. We don't do that. But girls do. They, they like to, hey, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? Oh, that was good. But what about murder? I mean, what about straight-up murder, right? I mean, you guys know this happened here in Lubbock, right? Uh, one of our finest, uh, an officer, went to respond, and he had a bulletproof vest on, but the perpetrator the, shot him in the head, killed him. That's murder. That's murder. And you go, yeah, see that guy who shot him? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That should be capital punishment. Now, the point I want to make in Jesus' heart is he wants to remind us that sin is still sin. Whether you lie or you murder, he says this is where we land up. And his point is to get across lovingly that we need a Savior. We need a Savior. Because I'm pretty sure all of us in this room have never stood and fired at policemen. At least I hope you haven't. But I know a lot of us in this room have said a white lie. And we usually do a white lie to try to save somebody's feelings, right? We, we just like... But Colossians says, do not lie. Oh. So, well, Nick, what should I do? The sister comes up and says, what do you think of this dress? Man, that's hideous. Ugh. Wow. No, we don't do that. We go away. <laughs> we just walk away, right? And men, what should we do if our wife says, honey, does this make me look fat? Ah, oh, baby, you have to be fat to look fat, man. You look great. So when it comes to kingdom precepts for life, Jesus reminds us that it doesn't matter if we have lustful thoughts or you're divorced. If you're angry while driving on Loop 289 or you just hate all your enemies and you want them walking in the middle of Loop 289. That's what he wants us. We need to see the heart of our Savior. You need to see the heart, okay? Here's why. Because he is going to talk to us about the law of divorce. 
And what people will do is they'll jump on that and they'll point and they'll judge and they'll condemn you. The heart. But that's not Jesus' heart, is it? Here's what we need to understand. You cannot take, what is it, from verse 31 to 32, you can't take two verses and pull it out and then, and then teach the whole Bible from those verses, right? There has to be expositional consistency. The whole word. So Jesus comes in. And he says this, let's talk about divorce. Okay? Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to disciples. He's not talking to the general public. He's talking to disciples. And he says, furthermore, verse 31, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Now, all of a sudden, we all feel condemned because in our culture, there are a lot of people who are divorced. And we go, well, that's it. That's it. You got divorced. You can never, ever, ever, ever. You might as well just go into the monastery and become a nun. I don't know what you need to do, but that's not, but that's not Jesus's. That, we got to understand what's he saying. What's he saying? Okay. He says this, guys. In Jesus' day, right now, many of the people interpreted the Mosaic permission of divorce, according to Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1, as granting virtually any reasons for a ground of divorce. There were two leading rabbis at the time, Rabbi Hillel and Rabbi um, Gamel. And one of them was very liberal, very liberal, and was like, listen... You can divorce for any reason. The other one was more conservative and say, no, 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 no. You need to stick with your wife. You can't just divorce her. You can't, right? And what would happen is depending on what you wanted, and you go, well, Ben, what do you mean? Well, think about this. The rabbi who was more liberal would go, you can divorce your wife if she burns the toast. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You wake up in the morning and you go, baby, where's my breakfast? And she puts toast down. She goes, I'm so sorry I burned it. She's like, that's it. You out. You out. Could you imagine? They were using it very liberally. And, I mean, think about this. Because they wouldn't take marriage seriously as a picture of God, and his Christ, they became going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if, if she did not make the bed proper, I mean, you guys, whatever it might be, he could go, well, Moses said, here you go. Here's a certificate. There you go. Jesus comes going, no, 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 listen. What does he say? He says, listen, I say to you, what's that, Lord? That whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Now, we have to be careful because the heart of the Lord isn't condemning people who have been divorced. The heart of the Lord is going, I want to bring hope and healing. And because this happens. Now, there are biblical reasons why people should get a divorce. You go, what are they? Number one, sexual immorality. If the husband says, I'm going to go out and have an affair. I don't like you anymore. I'm going to go be with somebody else. 
she can come back and go, okay. He can come back and go, okay, this is, this is biblical grounds to get a divorce. Biblically. Now, what we have to be careful is, is that we often would say, what, what do we cite? Irreconcilable differences. Why are you getting married? Well, we just don't get along. Here's what I say to you. You put two sinners in a house and tell them to get along, you're not going to get along. They have to submit to the Lord Jesus. We have to be good at forgiving. Your husband is a knucklehead. Don't say yes, Jennifer. (laughs) She's already... We understand that. Men, look at me, men. Your wife is there as a helpmate. Wives, you're there as a helpmate. Don't take over the whole operation. But you don't know my husband. He just, no, no, no. Guys, here's the whole point. The point is, is that, again, Jesus is coming and he's going, look, there there are biblical solid reasons for divorce. One of them is if he wants to go be with somebody else and he has an affair, you have the choice to forgive him and work through this, which we forget to do. We forget that there is grace and mercy and there's a reason. And if you have a heart, you should try to work through that. But another biblical reason, you guys know this, is that let's say a husband and wife get saved. Or one of them gets saved. And the other one doesn't. He says, if he's not willing, he has the right to go. Let him go. Let him go. You did what? I got saved. I love Jesus. Yeah, that's not who I married. I'm out. I'm sorry. I love you, but okay. And I'll give you another one, biblically. That any time, and Nathalie and I, we talk about this, any time a man thinks a woman is a punching bag, that's a good ground. You are not called to be God's, to be somebody's punching bag. And, and I mean, I mean, seriously. And we do this, and sometimes you go, I didn't lay a hand on her, but we do it emotionally. And when we crush a woman, okay, when we crush a woman emotionally, men, we're doing the same thing. Because this is God's daughter. This is, if she's God's daughter and he's a king, what is she? But you don't know my wife, dude. She's... That's not what God, God calls us by choice to uplift her, pray for her, and walk with her. Okay? Jesus, guys, is going to teach even more in depth on, in Matthew 19. Okay? But here we see the intent, and it's getting back to the law. Because right now, he goes, guys, listen, here's all the law. And you go, man, Wow. Because instead of, again, instead of following the intent of the law, they used to, they wanted any, any type of permission to have a divorce. Can we just, can we have a divorce? Well, what's the rule for being divorced? Now, again, let's chat for just a moment. Our culture, we tend to look at this verse, come on, and we tend to judge those who have been married before. We tend to do that. Wow. Whoa. And we tend to even categorize them as, well, you can't do ministry if you've been married before. 
You can't do ministry if you... That's not what God says. Because, listen, we don't know the circumstances. We don't know any of this, guys, that, that again, we don't know what it is that caused them to go that route. So we have to have the same heart as the Lord. Well, Ben, are you saying that you just need to... Con- anybody comes in... No, 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 I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that I want to stick with what God says. You know what he says about divorce? He hates it. He hates divorce. But we have to remember the context. We're not to judge someone just because that's a different sin than ours. We have to, we have to do that. We have to be careful. The heart of the Lord is to reconcile. You go, well, Ben, I'm divorced, but I've met somebody else, and this is amazing. Praise God. Start right there. That's where you start. Watch God. Watch what he'll do. He'll do amazing things. Well, in my church, we don't let, we don't let divorced people on the worship team. But God's heart isn't that. Because, because we're sin is sin, is it not? Well, if that's the standard, then I can't be behind the pulpit. Based upon what he's telling me in, in, well, neither can you. Oh, but there's grace in his mercy, and he wants me to grow. Let me just say this about divorce, and then we'll move on, okay? God hates divorce because guess what, guys? He knows how much it hurts, okay? He does. And... um It really does break lives apart. And here's the one thing, guys. Here's here's what it looks like. like. It's like gluing two pieces of paper together and then trying to pull them apart. Guess what happens? It never comes apart easy, does it? One last thought, and then I'll move on. I was driving home. I was driving home the other night, and Greg Laurie was on Radio by Grace. And he was talking about, he was just talking about affairs. And, he, and, and, and it, it just so, so, you know, and he was talking about, you know, men, you don't need to have an affair. He says, because you love God and you don't want to bring shame to his name. And I thought, we forget that, don't we? We're having an affair, we justify it. Well, she doesn't do this, she doesn't do that, and she burnt the toast, and blah, 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 right? We don't, we don't even want to think that because we love Jesus. And I don't want to bring shame to his name. And I thought, wow, thank, thank God for Radio by Grace. Thank God for solid teaching to help us. Well, then moving on, because I know we don't have a whole lot of time. Moving on, he goes on to the law of vows. Look at verse 33. Again, you've heard it said, it was said to those of old, you must not swear falsely, but perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is footstool, nor by Jerusalem, or for by the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear in your head, because you cannot make, what? One hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Okay? Now, I know we try to make our white hair black. It comes in a box. But that's not what Jesus is talking about, okay? Okay? This is, he's going to, he's saying this. He said, man, you've heard it said, right? He says, don't swear, don't swear falsely. What does that mean? Don't lie. He says, the scribes and the Pharisees had twisted the law 
so that you, you, so you don't take the name of the Lord God in vain. We see that in, in Exodus 20, verse 7. But permit talking virtually to, ev- to every other name is a false oath. It's a lie. Going, oh. Oh, he says, don't swear at all. Jesus reminds us that God is part of every oath anyway. And if you swear by heaven, earth, Jerusalem, even in your head, you swear by God. And he said, you must honor that oath. Do you guys remember growing up, you would say something, and what was, what was the normal thing? Oh, do you mean that? I swear. What did we used to say? I swear to God. Do you remember that? We used to say that? I swear to God. And, and, and our parents would go, no, don't say that. You cannot. Because again, what are we saying? I make an oath to the Lord that I'm going to do this, or I'm not going to do this. Okay? The one thing that comes to mind is how many times as a teenager I was in trouble and I told the Lord, what did I tell the Lord? I told the Lord, um, if you get me out of this one, I swear I'll serve you. Do something. Never do it again, right? And the Lord gets you out and you sort of forget that oath, don't you? I didn't really mean it. I was stressed. I mean, I was like... You know, the cops are chasing me. No, that wasn't, that's not the truth. No, I'm just kidding. The cops chased my brother, not me. But guys, we don't, we don't swear that oath. But we have, so what do we do? We're guilty. And he says, now, listen, and, and here's the one that's really hard for a lot of us. He says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Right? So sometimes we're like, how important it is for us to be men and women with integrity in our word. It's hard because we don't want to hurt your feelings, but there are times when it's just, no, I can't do that. Pastor Ben, what do you think? Nope. Well, I can't believe Let our yes be yes and our no be no. If we can do it, let's do it. If we can't do it, let's not do it. This is what he's saying. Then Jesus goes on and he says, let's talk about the law of what? Of revenge. Look at verse 38. You've heard it said that what? It was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Right? This is the old, this is what it was. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He says, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him. What? Well, wait a minute, an eye for an eye. So what Jesus is saying is, and if somebody comes up and slaps you, you go, well, that, that didn't hurt. Watch this one. That's not what he's saying. Okay? What he's saying, guys, really, really simple. He says, now listen, the punishment must fit the crime. That's what he's saying, an eye for an eye. The punishment must fit the crime. Now, when we raised our girls, okay, we raised them that way. Okay, the punishment had to fit the crime. We didn't ground them for, I mean, like, like, the one thing we grounded our girls for, the biggest, the biggest, um, punishment was rebellion. Okay, disobedience. If mom said, hey, come on in, they needed to come in. If they didn't come in, then they were grounded. That was rebellion. And the reason we grounded them for rebellion is because we didn't, if they would rebel against authority, they're gonna rebel against God. But we would not punish them with severe punishment for something little. Something, you know, whatever it would be. And that's what Jesus is saying. 
But what he would say, guys, is he says, if someone slaps you, now remember, what it was is it was an insult. If someone, if I went up to Nick and I just, you guys remember the old where they would hit him with the glove and it would be an insult, okay? He says, if someone slaps you on the other cheek, he says, don't retaliate. He's saying, even if they insult you, he says, take the higher ground. This is what he's saying. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. Take the higher ground. Wait a minute. Well, he called me a this. He called me a that. He said I was this. That's hard. And he says, no, no, no. He says, do this. Let your yes, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an over. If he slaps, if he insults you, he says, that's okay. Take the higher ground. And he says this. If anyone wants to sue you and take your tunic... Let him have your cloak also. In other words, what are we doing, guys? We're, we're, we're not giving revenge on people. We're actually what? We're trying to, to be above this. Now, remember, who's he talking to? The disciples. So he says, someone wants to sue you. What does he do? He says, take my cloak. Now, remember, the cloak was the very thing that he slept in. This is what kept you warm at night. And sometimes you would borrow money and you say, I'm going to use my cloak as a down payment but, the, but Jesus said, now don't hold that cloak overnight. He's going to get cold. Bring it back to him, even if he didn't pay you. And he goes, look, here's, here's the deal. He says, if someone wants to sue you, go, hey, take, here you go. I want to make it right. I want to make it right. And then he says, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. What would Jesus say? Now this would make the disciples be super bummed because in this day, the Roman soldiers were authority. And what they would do is they would go, hey, you need to carry my backpack. And law, the law stated that he could do that to you and you carried it for one mile. But it wasn't a habit. It wasn't like, oh, joy. It was like, can you imagine? Me and Nathalie are out on a date. We're having a good time. I was, I was, that, that, that song came to my, we were out on a date in my daddy's car. Do you remember that song? Anyways, so Nathan and I are on a date, and the Roman soldier comes to me and says, hey, you need to leave your here. Carry it one mile. But, sir, I'm on a date with my wife, and I said you carry. And his backpack wasn't this like, you know, I mean, what Jesus says is, listen, here's the deal. He says, don't go one mile, go two. I know what y'all are thinking. You're thinking me. He goes, oh, geez, lucky if I get one. And all the time, it's like, Roman, I hate Rome. I hate, right? And he's just, Jesus says, no, no, no. You and I are above that. He says, go to. Because what's going to happen in the second mile? He's inevitably going to go, what are you doing? Well, no, I'll, I'll take it another one, sir. What you, why would you take it? In a, everyone else in Israel is saying, no, they're, they're cussing us out. They're just, but you're taking it too. What's going to happen in the second mile? You're going to have an opportunity to win that one to the Lord. You're going to go, listen, I love Jesus. He's my Lord and Savior. Listen, I'll go too. How are you doing? How's your family? I know this must be tough. What's going to happen in the second mile, guys? This is what he's telling us. This is what the Lord is saying. And then he says in verse 42, give him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. This is tough. This is tough. You know what I say? Never 
lend money. Why do you say, yeah, Nick? Hey, brother got it. If you have the money, give it. This way you're never going, hey, Nick, what's up, bro? You got my, you got my cash, man? And then, and then now me and Nick, are, we're, we're, we're not friends anymore because Nick's going to go, man, I can't even go buy Calvary because, I mean, I owe, the, I owe it. If you don't, don't lend it, guys. Don't lend it. Give it away. If you have that money, hey, man, can I borrow 20 bucks? No, I, I don't lend money, but I'll give it to you. Here you go. What do you mean? It's yours. Well, I'll pay you back, bro. It's yours. It's yours. That's what we should do. You see the heart. You see the heart. Now, what's he trying to tell us, guys? He's saying, listen, from him who wants to borrow from you, he says, don't turn away. Don't turn away. I wonder how many of us have been so greedy and stingy that we just don't. We just don't. Well, you go, but bro, I don't have it. Well, if you don't have it, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Bro, I don't have it. If I did, I would, and I could, but I can't, so sorry, man. Let's be careful, because remember the scripture that says, you know, the brother that comes to you, and he's hungry, right, and he's in need, and you go, oh, oh be warm and filled, go thy way. He says, your brother's, your brother's hungry, and he needs clothing, and you're going, I'll pray for you. He says, no, take care of that need. Take care of that. This is what Jesus is telling. This is what he's saying, guys. Here's the law that he fulfilled that you and I should walk in. Wow. Go think about it. This is, this is the truth. As believers in Jesus, as disciples, we need to die to self in order to save relationships. Come on now, somebody. How many times are we more interested in winning the, con- winning the argument than winning the person? Well, let me show you theologically what propitiation means, and you're just really weird, and you don't know anything about the Bible. Blah, 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 blah. And we can, we can destroy them theologically, but we lose the relationship. I want to win them to Jesus. You go, what does that mean? Here it is, guys. Ready? This is, this is profound. This is deep. Sometimes, even when we're right, we can walk in humility and maintain the relationship. Right? Even in your relationship, when you are right, you don't have to say it. You can walk in humility. Okay. Okay. Guys, that's, guys, that's, that's the law of, the, the law of revenge, man. You've heard it said. You know what they do to you? Do unto them. Go get them. Jesus says, no, we're above that. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you a better way. How about this one? He talks about the law of love. Right? Verse 43. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Say, what? Time out, Jesus. I can do everything. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Why? The Mosaic law commanded that you should love your neighbor. The problem is, guys, is the scribes and the Pharisees looked at this and said, well, if I'm supposed to love my neighbor, there has to be an opposite action. Which means, if I love my neighbor, then I need to hate my enemies. 
Okay? The problem is, is this is a misapplication. Jesus says, let me, let me just correct you. I don't want you just to love your neighbor. I want you to love your enemies. What? What? Oh, oh, let me just say it this way. Um, all people are your neighbors. You don't know my neighbors. You don't know my neighbors. You don't know those ones across. I'm not talking about neighbors across the street. I'm talking about people. Okay? Now, think about this. Think about this. How many of us get up in the morning and go, Oh, joy, I get to bless my enemy today. Yay, all those people who hate me, cokes on me. We don't, do we? Come on. We pray like David, don't we? Lord, just knock out their teeth. Just, just <laughs> knock out their teeth. Oh. Lord, I would not miss them if they just left for good. Really, Ben? Yeah. That's how we are about our neighbors, are we not? I mean, not our neighbors, our enemies. Some of us are about our neighbors. They're like, get out. Um, but what does God say? God says, listen, I want you to love your enemies. I'm going to be honest with you. I can't do it. Chris, can you do it? I can't do it. By myself. In and of myself, I can't. I can't. You know what I want to do to my enemies? I want to punch them in the nose as hard as I can. But that's not what the law, he goes, no, 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 listen. My righteousness is higher than that. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to love your enemies. God, I'm going to need some help. I'm going to give you help. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to put that in your heart. And the power of the Holy Spirit, because I want you to bless those who curse you. I want you to do good to those who hate you. Could you imagine? Could you imagine mowing your friends, oh, not friends, mowing your enemy's yard because you want to do good to them that hate you? That's crazy. Oh, by the way, let's pray for those who spitefully use you. Okay? So we go to work tomorrow. And we have somebody who you just uses us. We do all the work. They get all the credit. The boss thinks they're great. And you want me to pray for that person? I'll pray for that person. I'll pray he just gets in a wreck. That's not what God says, is it? Wow. To truly fulfill this law, wait a minute, Ben, I thought we, yeah, to truly fulfill this law, we must love, bless, do good, pray for our enemies, not only our friends. Aren't you glad that Jesus came to fulfill the law? Here's why. Because when I'm in Christ, then I can do that. Then I can do that. Think about this over here, guys. The moment we get into deep teaching and what God wants us to do, it's like there's distraction after distraction. You know it. You know because he's, he's speaking to us. He's speaking through the power of his Holy Spirit. See, Jesus came to fulfill the law, so in order for us to do it, I need to be found in him. I need to be found in him. And I'm not always walking in him. You know how I know? You know how I know. But let me just say this to you guys. Let me just say this to you. 
There are a lot of things and a lot of people that we simply just need to forgive. Because they're holding us back and time is short and we just don't need that, do we? We, I mean, there's some stuff that, I understand, there's some stuff that we're going to have to forgive. It's going to take us baby steps to forgive. I get that. I get that. There's a person who really, really hurt. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about the little dramas in your life that you just need to let it go. Because time is short and they're holding, and that's keeping you in bondage. And so I want to bless them. I want to bless them. I want to bless my friends and I want to bless my enemies. I want to pray for those who spitefully use us. You go, what does that mean? We need to be praying for our current administration. Well, they're really, I know. They're messed up. I know. I know. But this is what God asked me to do. He asked me to pray for my president. I fight that. It's hard. But I want to pray. I want to pray for our city leaders. I want to pray for our mayor. I want to pray for those. I want to pray for the guy who is angry and flips you off and cusses you out when you just happen to make a mistake and cut him off. I mean, you can you understand, right? So the other night, after I left church, Wednesday night, I was going down right outside the road there, and, you know, dark, it's hard to tell lights, right? And I'm kind of going, okay, so I know I've got to get to the other lane to get home. I don't want to get in this lane. I don't have that much room to get on over. So I'm looking, and I'm looking, I'm thinking, okay, I've got this. And I, and I turned in, and I realized that it wasn't a car coming, but two motorcycles. And they're coming fast. I literally cut them off by accident. It wasn't intended. I wasn't like you. I just like, oh, no. So I'm stepping on the gas. My truck's trying to go fast. But they come around, and you could tell they were upset. Guys, what about the ones that we do that, and they, they are verbally abusive to us? We need to pray. That's what Jesus said. I can't do it unless I'm found in him. Verse 45. He says, that the, that, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise, what? On the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those, uh-oh, if you love those who love you, what reward you have, do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, that is crazy. Okay? Now, listen. There are people we love. We greet them. We just love them. The body of Christ, we love them. He says, what reward do you have? That's why we have to be so careful we don't get involved in cliques. You guys know what I'm talking about? My little group here, my little group, we just hang out. No, no, no. Man, we, we got to love people. We got to love people. And the people you love, the people you love are going to see a difference. You're going to see a difference. Why? Because the people who, again, they have already predetermined in their life that they're not lovable 
So why would anybody love them? You come in and you love them, it blows them away. And they ask you, right now, why? Why, why would you love me like that? Because I love Jesus, and he loves you. Yeah, but most of the time you judge me, or people judge me, or Christians judge me. And you go, we love you. We love you. My wife has so many, quote-unquote, friends who aren't churchgoers that would go to her and go, why are you being so nice to me? Most Christians are not nice to me. You're Christian, right? She's like, yeah. She's showing Christ that way. Therefore, be perfect just as, how am I, I can't be perfect. Oh, wait a minute, I am perfect because that's how God sees me. In Christ, you're what? Wow. Wow. Now, let's close. Let's close, guys, with a story that's in the gospel. I'm going to summarize it, but you guys know this, okay? You guys remember the prodigal son found in Luke 15? The prodigal son, right? It says, well, I'll read it. He said, a certain man had two sons, okay? The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of good that fails me, that falls to me, sorry. So he divided to them his livelihood. Now, real quick, guys, think about what he's saying. You know what the, you know what the old, younger son just said? Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance. Now, if you were a dad, what would you do? I'll show you. Excuse me? Come on, am I talking to somebody here? You know how we are. We're like, but he says, no, he divided them, right? And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And when he had spent it all, there arose a severe famine in Lent and began to be in want. Then he went and joined to himself a citizen of that country. Notice. And he sent him into the fields to, to feed swine. Not good for a good Jewish boy. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. He couldn't eat the pods because they were poison for him. But he's looking at the pigs going, I'm so hungry, I would even eat what the pigs ate. I will arise, he says, Oh, he said, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. He says, I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, what happened? His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now, to you and I, that doesn't mean anything. But a Jewish father would not run. It would not be dignified for a Jewish father to run. He's sitting there, and he's having his cup of coffee. This is my version, okay? He's sitting on the porch, and he's looking. I think that's him. I haven't seen my... And he puts his coffee down. He pulls up, guys, and he starts to run. He starts to run after his son. And when he was afar off, he kissed him. He had compassion. He fell on his neck. Look what he said. 
He said, Father, I've sinned against you in your sight. I'm not worthy to be called your son. And the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put on him. Put on the ring on his hand and his sandals on his feet and bring out the fatted calf and kill it. And let's eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is now alive. He was lost and he was found. And notice, and they began to be merry. Later on, the older son comes in from the field. Notice what he says. He says, um, now the older son was in the field and he came. And as he drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called to one of the servants and says, what, what do these things mean? And he said, your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded to him. Now, you guys know the rest of the story, but the point I want to make is I want to focus on the father, okay? The father had every right to let his son go. He had every right to go. No, this is what the law says. You went, you acted the fool, you were over there, mm mm-mm. But he didn't. Because in the story, who is the father? God. And if we're in Christ, that's how we should behave. And our job at Calvary Chapel is not to, is not to judge people because they sin differently. Our job is to love people back to life. That's what they are. That's what we're called to do. Every one of us guys should be loving people to a place where they feel comfortable here, where they feel back close to God. That's where we need to be. In the journey, we're all holding hands and we're walking forward to the kingdom and we have a brother will step off and fall and hurt themselves. We don't leave them there. We pick them up and we love them back to life. The problem is, is somewhere along the way, guys, we've got misguided. Somewhere along the way, we decided what's right and what's wrong. And somewhere along the way, we decided to give God advice. And let me dare, dare, dare I say this? Somewhere along the way, Christians decided to shoot their own wounded. How could you do this, man? You know better. Well, if you'd have read the Bible like I do, you wouldn't go through this. Well, if you would attend a church like I do, say, I go to church three times a week. and better, That's not what we're called to do. We're called to love them. How are you doing, man? Are you okay? How can I pray for you? Let me come over. How about I meet for a cup of coffee? Tell me what's really going on. No, I'm fine. No, deep inside. Deep inside. What's happening, man? What's happening? I won't mention any names. When Nathalie and I first came to Lubbock, Texas, there was a there was a guy who, it seemed like he had a past life in prison, drugs, everything, got saved. And uh, this, this kid, man, was just like on fire for the Lord, had a band and everything, man. And it's just incredible. It's incredible. But life seemed to take its toll that today... If you looked at his Facebook page, if you looked at how he, he's not even behaving at all like a Christian. As a matter of fact, it's awful. You've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of teens follow this guy and, 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 and think, wow, only? Now, the point I want to make is that I go, it breaks my heart because I want to say, oh, you know what God has for you? 
He had so much for you. And I don't want the, I don't want the bad for you. I want to see God do and restore you back to what. But a lot of people, as they look at the Facebook page, they're doing what? I knew it. I knew he was no good. I knew, was, I knew that Christianity thing was just a farce. I knew he couldn't. That, that's us judging. God says, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to love people back to life. That's what we're called to do. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word, God, and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us. And Lord, wow, what an eye-opening sermon. Father, forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness and ungodliness. I pray, God, that your spirit would fall on us like never before to do what you've asked us to do. Thank you, Lord. We look forward to next week when you want to teach us even more. So we love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.